NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, we're talking T20 World Cup, picking wrong ones on TV and missed mancads. We're talking Australia and South Africa, Agar, Hattricks and New Zealand's 10-wicket win over India in Wellington. Jimmy Neesham finally joins the show from across the ditch to talk Twitter, World Cups and who is his favourite and least favourite New Zealand-born all-rounders. This is all thanks to Budgie Smuggler, budgiesmuggler.com, budgiesmuggler.com.au. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm sitting right here with Sam Perry. Pez, um, on the back of Ashton Agar's hat-trick, infamous hat-trick in South Africa, I want to know, have you ever seen a hat-trick? Have you bore witness to a hat-trick? Um, good afternoon, Higgins, as we go to air. Uh, I, I saw you write this question down, and um, mm. I sighed a little bit. Because I can only say the following out the side of my mouth, mm-hmm. taken to myself. Oh, have you? Um, yeah, like both in under 11s or under 12s or something. Okay. I, like, okay. I hadn't realised I got the first one. Uh, it was one of those like last ball before, like last ball of the uh, over. And the then, Murph Hughes hat trick. That's, and that's what we said afterwards. But yeah. um, I do remember like my dad pacing very quickly to the scorebook and I remember thinking he doesn't normally walk like that. Hang on and a then second. Later on What's um, this? he informed me and I, I honestly oh. um, can't remember being part of or witnessing any other hat tricks and I've got – no doubt that that actually did happen. It's just a wait, shameful what, reflection of my own. Wait, what was the second one? Oh, just club cricket, yeah. Yeah. How'd you get the third one? I can't remember. Were you buying your leggies? Yeah, yeah, leggies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Ha- that's hard as to get a hat-trick as a leg spinner. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know. You, Warren. Yeah, Rashid yeah, Khan. Exactly. Well, did they do it twice? I don't know. So, but um, <laughs> I don't remember any other hat-tricks okay. that anyone else took or being part of, which is, like I said, it, it's definitely happened. It's just a reflection of my own. Um, self-reflexive self-interest when playing cricket. I got a double hat-trick once in the oh. under-11s. See, this question's about me now. Touché. It's my turn. <laughs> <Touché>. <laughs> you sat very patiently. Yeah, yeah. Let him speak. Let him, let, him, let him have a go. Let him talk. Let him have a go. Uh, I'll tell you, that the hat-trick that I bore witness to when I was batting, though, we'll talk about that one. First. Um, uh, yeah, I was at the other end 
and watched all three balls, and the hat trick ball was one of the best balls I've ever seen. It was against Parramatta. It was a third grade game at um, oh, nice. so adults Maryland's Oval, mm-hmm. and th- this ball just like it, it bowled the guy on the front foot, leg stump just cut through. It was like it was a tough way to get the bat on, and the, mm-hmm. the satisfaction of being a not out batsman, seeing a hat trick, just right. like come on lads, mm. can you help me out here? Yeah, can you get the face me? that you can pull as that fourth batsman comes in as yeah. well? What's he doing with it, Matt? I don't know. <laughs> Mate, just get forward. I scored ninety nine that day. What happened? <laughs> Their seventh bowler came on. He bowled a half tracker and I put it straight into mid-wicket's hands. Cool. So I remember that game very clearly. Right. So, so far, yeah, you were at the non-striker for a hat-trick. You hit 99 and you've taken a double hat-trick. Correct. So you've done that quickly. So tell us about the double. That's the end of the show. Should we get Nishimon? <laughs> <laughs> the double, um, it was with a two-piece composite ball on nice. AstroTurf, under 11s, under 12, mm-hmm. something like that. And um, You're I being humble. I don't, I, don't, I don't really remember it. I was... It, like that ball could swing You could swing it both ways You know that um, Oh could you <laughs> <laughs> You know that film Cracker Jack With uh, Mick Malloy Yeah How he's like His ideal is to bowl a ball That goes both ways Right yeah, I was doing that that day mate You were Cracker Jack <laughs> I can't really remember You know it was an easy ball <laughs> Let me tell you The entire spell 14 yeah. <laughs> overs Hot day That's right Hot day um, Remember the smugness that you felt as a kid, like explaining what a double hat trick was to people? We'd be like, "What? It's six wickets in a row? No, it's actually well, it's, it's well, one, two, three, two, it's three, actually, four. It's actually four. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, what would you call four? You exactly. know, yeah. Yeah. your eyes are rolling yeah. in the back of your head as you talk <laughs> well, to me. I'm getting vertigo again. <laughs> I actually want to get into vertigo in a second because I want to talk about the camera angles from from South Africa when you watch cricket there. It's very okay. disorientating. But, but uh, before then, let's get into the Women's T20 World Cup. I, I think so. And let's get into the first match uh, there at Spotless Stadium, yep. Australia versus mm. India. And uh, Pez, as a leg spinner, I presume he could bowl a wrong um, How obvious was it that Yadav was about to bowl eight wrong in a row? Nah. I, I, I like that take. I see that take. I see it around Twitter, etc. It's my take. Yeah. It's a lot of people's take, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you just pick it out the back of the hand, can you, on TV? That's yeah. pretty nice, yeah. Um, well, we first with Poonam, right? So Poonam takes forfer. Could have been fifer, but... Uh, or was it Pfeiffer? Oh, no, it was four. It was four, four yeah. yeah, and dropped Hattrick. Dropped, yeah, dropped yeah. the Hattrick. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But um, the, the wrong one was the mainstay of her spell. Yes. And I learnt later on that they kind of held her back in the recent tri-series and they held back oh. – and she held back her wrong one oh, as really? well. Oh, uh, so this you know, th- this reminds me of you know when Warren held back his big leggy and his flipper in 93. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, um, you know, it was Saddam's weapons of mass destruction, we yes. couldn't find them either. Same thing. You know what I mean? Held back. <laughs> they've, still been, they've still been held back. Where were they looking? Where were the US okay. looking? When well, they they yeah, okay. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like, like picking wrongens is like one of the great, greatest examples of like cricketing phenomena where people think they're really good at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 and then and they're often not. You're describing uh, me, yeah, right? Yeah, it, and I hope it doesn't trigger you too much. But it's like I, I think unlike, and unless you're at the, like the top top level of men's cricket, mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult to pick a wrong one mm-hmm. or to play a wrong one, even when you think you see it, because mm-hmm. they don't happen very often. And the shapes that the bowler makes looks like a leg spinner. Mm-hmm. So even when you see it, or if you half see it, you're like, oh, I don't know where to like put my bat. Mm-hmm. So there's one. You're, you're talking about you're talking about like playing top level men's cricket. I just told you about my third grade ninety nine. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what I'm what I'm saying is, you wouldn't be able to play Poonam's wrong. I mean, the the pace was another thing, mate. I reckon the pace only looks bad in relation to like the cricket that you're used to watching as well. I reckon that pace is probably fine for the middle grades that you played. Maybe, maybe. Do think about that. I was. I, I reckon Poonam. Yeah. We, we went to um, we went to uh, the Junction Oval. We went to interview Elisa Healy that day yeah. for our seventh thing, and um, and I was watching the wicketkeeper 
practice that day and I was like, she's legitimately very, very good. Yeah. And she had an outstanding performance yeah. uh, on Friday night. She's like legitimately good. So, but it is a hard thing when you, you're so trained to watching Australia, England, basically, you know, fast, bouncy wickets and yeah. then you watch like a different sport or the same sport performed by different people mm. and you're like, oh, is this the... Is this the same? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. It's a gr- it was a great performance from Poonam. And people are like, oh, she's bowling wrong. And it's like, J- I just can't emphasize enough. Not only like is it difficult to bowl wrong, it's to land them. Then to face people who are consistently landing wrong, even if you think you can see it. Often players say, and this is something that grade players or club cricketers won't have experienced, it's particularly difficult to read the direction a ball is spinning at night time as yeah. well. Someone, who's, so, who said that? I'm talking about... Um was it Ponting or was it Warren? No, talking about Rashid Khan. Yeah, with the seam. Yeah. So you can, it's, it's really difficult to pick the seam. Some people will just pick it um, with, with the way the ball's spinning in the air. Mm. So there's all that. Uh, I just loved seeing somebody bowling wrong and destroying people. Mm. It reminds me of um, like the best wrong and bowler I've ever seen, and I probably shouldn't relate it back to men, but um, Stuart McGill just had the the, the meanest wrong. And there's mm. a story. I've, I saw him in the Sydney cricket ground in Dornets mm-hmm. bowl a wrong and that um, bit the wicket so violently on AstroTurf that it spat up and split someone's chin open. Oh, my God. That's how much he was extracting with his wrong and Like, it was literally a violent wrong and it opened up someone's chin. Fuck. Uh, so I'm all for anybody who takes forfers, fifers with wrongers. A, a note on the Indian keeper as well. Um, I felt like that uh, that hat-trick catch was quite a difficult catch yeah. because the ball was slow enough that the, the deviation yeah. from the edge was um, significant enough that you couldn't just take it as though it was right there. I mean, you're mm. a keeper. Yeah, when I was playing in the World Cup, Pez. <laughs> no, like, when, yeah, the, the, one of the easier catches are when, like, someone's cutting on the back foot because mm. the, the ball, the, the distance the ball has to travel that far isn't very far yeah. and often they're very small edges so, that, yeah. so your gloves are kind of already in. When yeah. it's front foot and the ball's still going to travel metre, metre yeah. and a half, it deviates enough and you have yeah. no reaction to time basically yeah. so unless there's a feather yeah. you actually have to adjust your hands to, yeah. to watch the ball so yeah yes it's difficult anyway uh, mate I, I i hear all that i see all that you see it yeah i reckon australia batted really badly man mm. like like i don't just no get go like healy got out healy batted well mm. 50 back in the runs good and then i mean when someone takes what four for 20 or four overs four for 15 or four overs whatever it was but yeah i took it does decimated innings as as actually the men saw mm. in a similar capacity where they just like came in and it's hard to score runs quickly i take all that don't think they played it very well and haven't mm. played that well didn't play that well in the tri series i mean they won the thing but now they've lost two out of the Mate, last three games against you can india feel that pressure could, you, you what we were whatsapping yeah. during the match and uh, yeah. beth mooney was yeah. getting interviewed and she's been interviewed by mel jones that's right mate yeah and and um, just beth, an offhand remark she made beth she was actually commenting on the the strength of the crowd mm. and she was like oh i was thinking when we're feeling oh this is only 20,000 people or whatever i, I was thinking oh, what what must it be like to, for 90,000 people mm. they're already thinking about the final mm. and this whole thing's been built up which isn't her saying we're going to make the final necessarily. It's just an offhand remark. Well, no, it's not. I mean, she's just saying imagine what 90,000 is like. But there's been so much talk about this 90,000. Like the inference with 90,000 is if they make the final. Now, I know in like official dispatches they do say that occasionally. But mm. you wouldn't say it unless you thought we're an extremely good chance of being there, yeah. which they are. Which they are. But, and remain so. But And remain so. But they've got to win every match now. They've looked like they're a busted ass. They look like they're out of form. They're, mm. no, they're nowhere near the kind of... Um, yeah, that compelling force that they were yeah. 12 months ago. Yeah. Well, England lost like 11 games during the World Cup in 2019, but they still won <laughs> it. They still won it. So it doesn't matter what happens. You just got to get yourself to a semi mm. and then you roll in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're staying on the theme of the World Cup. Yeah. And it is a theme, Pez. It's okay. the theme of the World Cup. Let's talk about uh, England and Sri Lanka. South Africa is what I meant. Mm. South Africa and Perth. Was that last night? Night before. And... One of the main talking points was a missed opportunity from Catherine Brunt to man-cad yeah. 
the batsman who then hit a six to basically yeah. to, to take the game away from batter. the batter. Sorry, batter, yeah. Got to get your pronouns right. Um, and now it's like, now I've sort of flipped with a man cad. Now it just, it, it just has to be enforced because it's getting fucking silly now. Like it, it was just, enforced. Everything was enforced. What do you mean? Well, there's like a theory of like, do you need to warn them? And I've oh, always, she didn't need to. She just chose to. Yeah. Yeah. But so, was it easy so what you're saying is, I, to walking. I, I like this. Well, what you're saying is like, so what she's done is, what Catherine's done is, is mm. missed the easiest run out she'll ever have in her life. What, yep. what that should go down had as three, is. Had three to aim at. In, she had all three to aim at. She was right there. It was point blank. <laughs> Batter was out of their crease and she still missed. Still missed. And you have to, I mean, if, if you're enforcing, if you're just looking at the rules as they stand, it's just a run out opportunity. She's just running up to the stumps and yeah. someone's out. Yeah, didn't have well, to throw you'd it. you'd have to start asking corruption questions. I will. And, and I might. <laughs> I mean, she's cost her team the game. Do you know what I want to see eventually with the man cat? You know, Jonty Rhodes' famous run up where he dies yeah. at the stumps? Yeah. That's what I want to see Take with a man cat. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get into your bowling shot. Just run in and just dive at dive them. Dive head first. Well, I mean, because if the batter's so far out of the crease, they'll dive back. It'll be a huge. Uh, yeah. It's a new spectacle to the game. Mm. It's, a weird, it's a weird sport. It's a new sport. It's not cricket anymore. It's yeah. just not cricket. It's just funny how these professionals just seem a little bit conflicted about doing it. Don't they? Well, it's. Not all, but yeah. Yeah, like in the, the prime Gilchrist years of his walking. And it was like then. <laughs> his prime walking his years. His prime walking years. <laughs> he was doing the Johnny Walker ads, I think. No, it was Justin Langer. Anyway, um, like it sort of, there was a bigger conversation about who was walking, who was a walker, who wasn't, mm. who's a man catter, who's not. Yeah. You know? Person catter. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it third person. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel the same way as I did when we spoke about this a few weeks ago, really. And I think that that instinct plays out with Catherine Brunt. I think it's fine. You know, she's just gone, don't do that. Come on, give us a break. And then got pogo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but could have won the game Craig, for her team. Cricket's a funny game. It's a funny Truly game. funny. Haven't laughed in weeks. Uh, Pez, New Zealand won their first game mm-hmm. against Sri Lanka. Awesome. But oh, it's actually nice to see cricket back at the Wacker. Because it's all the memories. All of my memories are there. They're not right. up the stadium. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsor of Asha. <laughs> now that I say that. But um, all about Thailand, though. Thailand lost their first game against the West Indies. They, they got nine for 78 off their 20 overs. They weren't, they weren't bowled out. That's a moral victory for the Thais, surely. They had the West Indies four for shit. Did four they? Four for not many, yeah, at one point. Interesting. But, um, well, uh, it, it reminded me, actually, obviously great to see Thailand there and they're doing the, the, the bowing stuff to all four corners of the ground and, and whatever, but... Um, you would have seen during the week that New Zealand played them in a trial match and New Zealand defeated them yes. uh, in the oh, match yeah, and yeah, then yeah. conducted yeah. an impromptu coaching session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I just was, you know, like the, the sick-mindedness in me was like, well, there can't be any sweeter victory than that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> How um, much do you need to decimate another team? The, the whole thing, like the whole coaching session was delivered sarcastically. Uh, in, like in so many ways, it was really like um, Germany or one of those European uh, teams are talking to the Jamaicans in cool runnings, you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. That's what I thought. That's how I. That's how I saw it when I saw it with this, the the volume down. You know, giving a boy dinner and whatever. Like, oh look at this! Like, they beat them. They destroy them, and now they're coaching them. It coach doesn't them. get much better. Imagine the satisfaction of like beating a fourth grade team outright, and then just like getting going to their dressing room after the game with a couple of beers, and just like you know, you guys are up and comers. You know, you got mm. a lot ahead of you. You know, just stick with it. You know, maybe maybe pick your battles a bit more, change the field a little bit, bold your plans. You know, set a field. This is this is why I've always said Jesus is the ultimate alpha. You know, like yeah. I heard. I mean, in a related point, like I. Um, through the week, someone was telling me that, uh, or it was my wife was telling me, a colleague of hers is a surgeon and um, yeah. she often has to, uh, well, she has had to treat uh, terrorists. 
right. some of them oh, have see, been yeah. quite disparaging of her for being a woman yeah, or whatnot. Sure. And she continues to treat them. And, um, yeah, right. and I'm like, well, you know, that's really like, you know, killing them with kindness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not killing them, but, uh, you know, really <laughs> yeah. treating them with kindness. Well, you know, Jesus was the ultimate alpha. Forgiveness is the ultimate alpha play. <laughs> that's what New Zealand's doing. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand themed anyway, show. Yeah, and our sponsor this week's Hillsong. <laughs> <laughs> and Fergberger. Um, Bez, let's get into the uh, South Africa Australia T20 series. I, I, well, I'll just wrap up Women's T20 World Cup. Too early to call. Some, some teams have only played one, most teams have only played one game. Australia have lost their opening game, but Australia is still heavily favourites to win. I don't think so. That's, oh, that's who you got? Yeah. Who you got? India. They're third favourites. I think England are second favourites. Well, I, I mean, Australia, if they beat New Zealand now, it would appear as though they'll play India again mm. in a semi. And in my experience, you don't learn how to – I mean, if, if Australia playing India and playing spin against India has taught us anything mm. over the last 30 <laughs> yeah. to no, no 100 so. years, yeah. you don't learn how to play a ball that you can't pick yeah. in three weeks. That is an issue, yeah. Maybe so, they might shift that semi-final to a day match. Well, you know what will happen? You're just going to get a bunch of Australian men, dinosaurs, who are pundits coming out and saying, just get them on the full. Just well, charge. Just, I just did find it funny, like Michael Clark being on commentary for that, like just some of the fastest feet ever in men's cricket. Um, watching someone decimate us by 45k an hour leg spinners you know, she takes 4 for 15 still managed to you know, that's actually quite badly yeah. slow over 8 trying to get the ball down the other end with that double bouncer, just talk about that oh, quickly. Yeah. Would it, like the, the the way that would have been better is if the second bounce had happened before Gardner took a swing and actually spun on the second bounce. Like oh, I've actually done that before. When it goes behind, so point. yeah, you actually, yeah, yeah. You just, but you get you get more spin on the second bounce yeah. when you actually really jam it into the wicket. But anyway, mm. nearly bounced three times actually. Just just caught that uh, the base of the stump. But anyway, Mate, cricket's changing. Four fifteen. That's leg spin, man. That's McGill stuff. He's like, okay, I'll buy you some shit. I've also taken four for. Anyway. Yeah, and you meet professional athletes and they're just bigger than what you think. Yeah. McGill's thick. <laughs> Two C's. It's thick, man. It's thick through the hands. His okay. shoulders are thick. His hips are thick. And I know this because I see him regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, same with Warren. Warren's enormous hands. You had, you had an experience with Graham Smith, the mm-hmm. South African opening well, batsman. The back, the back just didn't end. <laughs> Great Wall of China, but for backs, he was getting a massage too. They have a massage at the Oval. Anyway, insiders. Welcome to insiders. The men's T Twenty series over there in South Africa. Australia won the first game by a million runs, and I thought, well, we're gonna, we'll never lose again. This is what the score will always be forevermore. Just like an India series, that one match India series, Mm -hmm. and then Australia lost last night in a bizarre match. Where the yeah. wicket looked flat as fuck when Decock was batting, he got seventy Loved early on. He was like he was hitting like balls on the up, back down the ground, off Cummins. Just looked real. And then like the wicket seemed to slow and change change pace a little bit. And uh, what did we lose by there? 12, 15 runs. Twelve runs. So Despite Warner opening the batting and being not out, scoring sixty seven. They're Bizarre. chasing one hundred and fifty four. Right. They're one for ninety eight off twelve point two in the thirteenth over. So they need fifty six off forty six. Yeah. With nine wickets in hand. Nine cricket they, wickets in they hand. They lose. By 12 runs, so not even close, not realistically, even and they're six down. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, it's fucking 98. What's that? You know those one days when it's like the team would finish on like three for 198, and it's like, oh, it's going to be tough off 50 overs. Yeah. And then the other team gets seven for 180. Well, it's, it's almost like 
they're so committed to this like concept of taking it deep. They just took it way too deep. Went, oh shit, <laughs> game's over now. Boys, if we're batting the twenty third, we're going to win this game. Well, it was, yeah. It was just like, oh, like, if you need twelve off twos, two sixes. Yeah, and, and it's like, oh nah. Yeah, that's actually quite hard in cricket. Anyway, I they go to Newlands next. So what? back scene of the crime. No demons there. It's like India facing uh, Australia facing Indian okay. spin. No Great. demons. No demons. Nice. Um, Mate, the, the batting lineup's weird because I feel like they're trying to give Kerry a hit at any opportunity. I saw that, yeah. he just he just he batted four in this game uh, when he was listed coming at six or seven, and uh, it was it was because when he was playing the T Twenties here in Australia against Sri Lanka, just didn't get a hit because Warner just couldn't get out, and we were smashing them, and everything mm. was going great. And so this this batting lineup strange. Wade Marsh Kerry in the sort of middle order it doesn't doesn't. Yeah, let me see Maxwell. Everything looks good with Maxwell. True. That just the letters around yes. in T Twenty cricket. Let's yes. forget, forget all the other stuff. Maxwell T Twenty cricket. He's just that mainstay. I need to see him in the middle of the scorecard, and mm. that's the safety that I feel. Yeah. Uh, what about Stoinis? I mean, we've lost one game there. For almost changed the entire team. I saw he got injured the other day, uh, and he had to pull out of the Australia A England Lions match, and they're getting pumped in that game too. By the way, but um, Pattinson's got pulled out of that game as well. Yeah, mm. so Stoinis needs to bowl to get involved. Really, does he? But Mitch Marsh isn't bowling, isn't he? No, I think so. Okay, oh, that surprises me. Yeah. I thought he was would have been bowling. He hasn't been bowling. He didn't bowl much in the um, Big Bash. He bowled a little bit in the Big Bash, but not a lot. Yeah, I, I guess your point is like still. Who's a better batsman, Stoinis or Mitch Marsh oh. for T Twenties? Oh. Oh, it's hard. Okay, what role are we talking? It's role. It's all about role player. Six. Probably Six. Marsh at this stage because Stoinis hasn't batted there in ages. Stoinis can't really rotate He's the strike. He's just a big hitter. Yeah. He just like, he opens, you know? And I like it. Mm. There's just a couple of guys doing that quite well at the moment. Mm. Wade, is he in your mm. top team? They're a pretty good big bash. Mm. Yeah, I'd say he's reserve bat. Have yeah. you got a Darcy short spot in your uh, heart? Yeah, third, fourth cab. It's all a bit it, yeah. Mm. Third, fourth cab. Mate. Fucking Bill Simmons cast here. <laughs> what about uh, Ashton Agar's hat trick in that first game? Well, man? here we go. He's locked in for now a year. Uh, it's good to say that he's done something good. Mm. Well, with respect yeah. to Ashton, yeah. I guess it sounds. They want they want him to do well, and he did well in this. Well, game. he's the project player at yeah. the moment, isn't he? Agar? He has been for a little while. He's been the project player. Mate, and talking about guys who are fucking athletes, that he's rig. Well, this is what I'm going to say. Like he's like the footy player who like tests through the roof. You know, he's, yeah. he, he tests well. He's mm. uh, levers, athleticism, versatility. He's a young prodigy. Like yeah. if he was in the NAB draft, the oh, AFL yeah. draft, he'd go high. Yeah, you know right. I mean? okay. he's, a, he's a high draft pick. And he's got a brother who's who is doing good. He's coming through. Well. It's yeah. a good sporting family, family kind of thing. Stuff, yeah. Did something good when yeah. he was young, and yeah. So, and, but but now he's done something. He's that the, the number one draft pick has, has performed in the match and. We're going to get excited. So, mm. congratulations. From all reports, a lovely fellow. So. Good feel. Sorry. Big, big hands. Talking about big mm. hands. Jesus. Again, well, yeah. I mean, it's a given, isn't it? Are you say, so, when you say someone in international cricket's got big hands, you're saying big hands relative to international cricket. Yes, I am. Yeah, okay. Yeah, enormous hands. Mate, what about New Zealand just absolutely decimating India? And it's more or less the same team who Australia have just absolutely pumped in Australia. Um, I think it was either Pete. Uh, Lola or mm. Bredig, one of them on Twitter was just saying like, this is getting a bit silly weather, just the home team just wins. India, extremely strong team on paper. New Zealand, relatively similar team who came out here. I mean, they had Southie and Bolt back, to be fair, but... Mm, they, what does that mean about our side against India last year then? I don't remember us playing a couple of yeah, years well, ago. Yeah, well, what are you talking about? about? Yeah. Mm. No? What, when Smith and Warner were there, we smashed them. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the Steve O'Keefe series? <laughs> well, we went close. <laughs> <laughs> What's now known as the Steve O'Keefe series um, it doesn't bother me. It's good to see. I, I like. It's good to see the 
top dog lose for me and it's good to see New Zealand win some games mm. and I like seeing New Zealand play in their home wickets and it, it contributes to the richness and the variety of cricket it means that there's still opportunities for people to, to do well in with different disciplines and different styles against players that are meant to be the biggest guns in the world good stuff are they using the kookaburra <laughs> no they're using the duke I think no idea the readers they're using the, read, they're using the composition ball swings both ways <laughs> Um, no surprise that uh, Kane Williams from in New Zealand's 348 hit 89, uh, leading the charge there. Um, mate, what about Kyle Jamison playing his first test? Nice. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago uh, or during the Boxing Day series when he was brought in when New Zealand had 85 injuries. And he's this massive unit. He's the height-based selection. Picked yeah. up four wickets in the first innings, doing the job. Yeah. Fresh blood. Australians will, will always get behind a height-based selection, won't yes. they? You know, it always. Just, it's just a big rig. If, you know, if, if two things are equal otherwise, just get the big fella in. And that's what they've done. They've got the big fella in, yeah. and, uh, he's, and this is a way to really disparage all the other skill that he has. Yeah. And he's just knocked over Pajara and Coley in successive overs. So. Who's the biggest guy we can pick in the team? Yeah. It's, don't you think, do you, like when you see the other team warm up at a game of cricket, yes. you just notice the, the height of Absolutely. people. What about when people used to measure run-ups with tape? Yeah, with like a with like a measuring tape instead of just like turning around and counting back twenty three steps or whatever. Well, there's all sorts of things you could. I mean, I, I particularly remember the height thing, and, and then later in like as a child, and then into pubescence, like if someone had a beard, as well. <laughs> yeah, and you would watch very closely how they warmed up, and you're like, oh, he looks fast or whatever. And invariably, the warm up deliveries of players on the side wicket. Yeah rarely correlate to what they actually bowl in a match. Rarely. I just tend to find, like, you can barely deduce anything. You'll still watch, though, yeah. just to see, oh, geez, you got a quick arm action. Oh, he do you looks do the right. thing where, like, you're not watching because you don't care. You don't mm. care what these blokes do, but you're watching. So you can't just, like, stand there and just, like, stare at the opposition warming up and bowl. But mm. even though, of course, you can, but it's weird. The fuck are you looking at, mate? Well, it got strange into, like, I think it, it really peaked at, like, um, like rep underage cricket at, like, sort of under-16s or 17s where, like, someone could really come onto the scene and be really quick and a bit more developed than everybody else. Whereas when you got into like adult cricket, the, the same like, I mean, you would have experienced this in the sort of high grades, but um, <laughs> <laughs> never gone there. I've never gone there. Um, but, you know, when you play in the middle grades or lower grades, you wouldn't really look because if anyone was good, they wouldn't be there on that day. <laughs> they would be at a different yeah, but you're, still you're still interested in like who, who the people are who are going to bowl the ball, mm. who's going to get you out. But if so, but Which you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have that visceral fear of like, oh, he bowls wheels because if he bowled wheels, he wouldn't be playing force. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so he can't be good by definition. He could be good relative to us, but he's not going to be take my head off good. So you, well, you're saying like when you faced Bollinger, for instance, and you're watching him walk, oh, this bloke's pretty quick. Well, yeah. who's, his, who's his left arm? Well, look, you know, once you get to that level, you sort of know the guys anyway. So. <laughs> oh I just watched. I just watched. Oh I'd God. watched him on TV. <laughs> And then when he was running into bowl, I was thinking, this is like TV. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Play Bollinger. Look at me now. Let's talk about some other stuff in yeah. world cricket. Uh, yeah. The West Indies are about to embark on a five-match ODI tour of Sri Lanka. Darren Bravo back in the squad. What about, <laughs> what about Bangladesh in Zimbabwe? One test series over there. Captain Craig Irvine, 107. Not sure if we're related to Sean. You ever play against Sean Irvine? I think you played some, you played some club cricket in Australia. Actually, then I think about it might have been in Western Australia, but he was an extremely angry man. He did play in Sydney, Sydney I, but I didn't play against him. He played Shires cricket. I remember that. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he that's wasn't right. even playing grade cricket. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty. I don't know what sort of flex that is. It's a yeah. good one though. Zimbabwean yeah. Yeah. Test cricketer playing Shires. Yeah. yeah, extremely angry guy. Was he on the field? Mm-hmm. On the field. Um, anyway, he hit 107 for, Zim, uh, for Zimbabwe. Well, Craig did. Craig did. Mm-hmm. Not Sean. Sean isn't. He was playing twos Shires. Um, <laughs> mate, anything to follow on the Sheffield Shield that starts today? Uh not really. I, I, you've you've got down here that the point system looks weird and oh, yeah. scary. Yeah. 
Uh, I think New South Wales are going well. Victoria has uh, beat them in the last round, so they need to win every game to make the final, which they've done for like the last six years, so they'll find that difficult. Right. I saw Dan Hughes was on 90-odd, not out at lunch as we go to air, but otherwise it's sleepy as we suggested it was last week, I think. And then the, the other one was that um, the England lines are out here. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically both sides' second team right. is, uh, is playing at the moment, the MCG, and England made 420-odd. Right. Uh, and um, Sibley hit 100 Someone else made 100 And um, What's Sibley playing for? He's just played in the Test Series Yeah, I don't know We'll probably just get used to playing yeah. in Australia yeah, yeah, And um, yeah. Swepson took three for Otherwise they made 400 And then Australia were five for 100 overnight So And like Kawaja hit 30 off 30 overs Or something like that Moses hit a breezy 25 And everyone else was Ordinary So England and win the next five Ashes Series <laughs> But can they retain them? That's the main question uh, Pez, we're about to um, We're about to speak to Jimmy Nation on Yeah, the phone. very excited how excited. how excited are you? I'm very excited. I mean, you know, this is uh, this is one of the most requested guests. Yeah, uh, and, and a guy that and see from my intro is I'm, I'm excited because he strikes me as very normal, which yeah, is which normal. is which is rare. Yeah. paradoxically, that's in, why I don't trust in cricket. It. Yeah, I want I don't to find trust demons. It. What's going yeah. on underneath? Lift the lid. Yeah, lift the lid. So I'm looking forward to that. Yourself? I'm very much looking forward to it because I think we've tried this for over a year. It just hasn't lined up for whatever reason. He's always been very good and kind. Um, but just hasn't lined up. He's actually playing a match at the moment, isn't he? He is. He's on day three. Day of three. A, of a four-day. Oh, yeah, I'll do the great cricketer podcast yeah, in between night. that. At mm. night, yeah, okay. But I'm actually a little and bit And actually, anxious. can I just say, yeah. I've looked up the scores just as we go to air again, and um, they made 300 on the first innings. He made 60. That uh, was the last man out, and um, the opposition was 600. I was like six oh, for 600 or something. So. Why does this keep happening in first-class cricket? I feel like that happens all the time in shield mm. cricket. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit anxious to talk about, like, Probably the worst moment of his professional career, losing the World Cup final. I'm anxious mm. about that. Mm. Are you going to make yourself do it anyway? Ah, uh, well, yeah, fair entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Nice. Well, let's see what happens. It can be hard to leave grade cricket. The relentless nudity, champing, and macho horseplay can have a debilitating, lasting effect. Hi, darling. How was your day? Yeah, not bad, bud. Can you please stop calling me bud? So when you do call time on your eight-year, barely memorable career, you need all the help you can get. That's why we started the Grade Cricket Rehabilitation Centre. Using state-of-the-art cognitive behavioural therapy, the Grade Cricket Rehabilitation Centre will help you reintegrate back into normal society just like your family wanted. Hello, darling. How was your day? Good, good, thanks. And, And how was yours? It was wonderful. You're coming along so well. Yeah, cheers, champ. Oh, wait, wait. Thank you very much. I appreciate your help. The Grade Cricket Rehabilitation Centre. There is a way out of this. Here goes, we got there. Uh, The guy we have on the line asked that we not interview him until after the recent series against Australia, uh, and rightly so, I think. Uh, In his own words... He hits a little white ball with a stick. Uh, and recently, after a particularly disappointing, some would say galling, others say invalid result. He also said kids don't take up sport, take up baking or something, die at 60 really fat and happy, which he then went on to take back in a Guardian article. But once you say something on Twitter, you're bound to defend that position for life, lest you be seen as weak. Um, anyway, he's quite clearly one of the most normal blokes on the international men's sporting circuit. There's been a lot of hype in the last 24 hours about this chat. It's New Zealand. International, um, Jimmy Nisham. Jimmy, welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast. G'day, guys. Pleasure to be here. 
Lovely to have you on. Um, mate, it's a, it's a bit of an unusual context for this chat. Most of the time when we ask for players, uh, there'd be no way you'd get a look in if they've just played or if they're in the middle of a game. It'd be sort of, you know, sorry, bud, we're in a playing phase. We've got recovery, uh, et cetera. But you've been good enough to make yourself available after the third day of a four-dayer for Wellington. Um, maybe just let us know how the game's going and how the day's play went. Uh, I'd rather not, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've just... Um, it's been 155 of the best uh, in the dirt fielding, so um, the legs are a little bit tired. But um, yeah, we're out in Rangiora down uh, about half an hour north of Christchurch down in the South Island. So um, there's not a whole lot of stuff to do here apart from um, do interviews. So um, yeah, you guys are obviously uh, got lucky. Yeah. Oh yeah, but you got a couple of interviews lined up for tonight or something. <laughs> yeah, I got an interview with a Macca's drive-through window in about half an hour. <laughs> Well, speaking of both of those things, you know, like like a whole day in the dirt and Macca's drive-through. Like you're the only other Kiwi international we've spoken to on this show is Will Somerville, but yeah. uh, he played grade cricket in Sydney. So, um, for the benefit of the listeners, and and you know, in the theme of this cast, like, can you sort of run us through a club or district cricket team in New Zealand? Like, if we we're, if we were to walk into the sheds at a club or Premier cricket team, what are we going to find? Um, oh, I've I've played for so many. There's such a <laughs> Uh, a variant, I guess, but um, yeah, not not often the Mecca's window, I suppose, after a hard day in the field. It'd normally be um, a couple of boxes of Heineken's or something, or whatever the, the team's favourite drop is. And, um, I'm looking outside, it's still light outside, so probably not quite uh, in nudity yet, but um, probably in, in the next half hour or so, I'd imagine that'll start going off. If we can, uh, we can skip right forward, uh, Jimmy, to your... Just, just your test career. Um, you know, hundred on debut, then becoming the eighth person ever in international cricket to, to score two uh, hundreds in the first two test matches. You're also batting with Brendan McCullum during the famous innings of uh, when he got his three hundred. I mean, first question: what, what advice did you give him when you're on debut when he was on about two ninety nine? Yeah, well, me and Bez actually played a fair bit of cricket together um, before that, even so. Um, yeah, we were reasonably good mates, and um, I was lucky enough, I guess, to, to bring up my 100. Uh, I think he was maybe on 297 or 298 when I brought up my 100. So um, I sort of, you know, went down to him and touched gloves and said, there you go, mate, I've, I've paved the way for you. So, uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Take it from here. And um, it was in front of, geez, it must have been the biggest crowd the Basin Reserve's seen in, in, in however long. So um, it was a pretty special occasion. and. Um, yeah, then obviously to, to back it up in West Indies and mm. Jamaica um, a few months later um, was obviously a pretty surreal experience. But um, yeah, there's been a fair, fair bit of water under the bridge since then, certainly. Sure, yeah. I mean, at, at the time, though, um, were you thinking like, geez, test cricket's actually, it's actually not that hard. Mm. It's actually pretty easy. A couple of hundreds in the first two tests. Mm. You're thinking like, oh, yeah, I could, I'm paying my way here for a 20-year career, test mm. level? <laughs> yeah, it's funny actually looking back. Um, I sort of think I was a, a kid really back then. Uh, I think I was 23, 24 um, during those those tests, so um, probably an adult by by normal job standards. But mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, kid cricket wise, and um, I, I was a bit, um, yeah, strung up on the game, I guess, bit of a perfectionist. And um, the funny thing is, I tell some of the younger guys in the Wellington team um, these days that I actually don't even remember um, bringing out my hundred in the second test in, in the West Indies. I just remember. Um, being in a changer and being really frustrated with how badly I thought I'd batted. And um, oh yeah, so now I sort of talk to them now um, when they're coming through about like trying to enjoy the game more and mm. enjoy the moment and that sort of thing. Because, yeah, you look back now and, um, I mean, obviously I don't know what my future holds in, in Red Bull cricket especially, but um, there's a decent chance that it'll be sort of the only go I got at Test cricket. And 
um, to not really even be able to remember one of the one of the best moments is a, a bit frustrating. But um, hopefully, while well, there are a few um, really good moments in white ball cricket as well, and hopefully a few more to come as well. Mm. I'm sure there will be more. Um Excellent white ball memories, but uh, we, we have to quickly cover the World Cup here. I'm sure it's probably a, a painful topic of conversation, but um, I still feel it's quite it's probably quite raw. I'm not even from New Zealand, but and I know that you did say that hurts. Hopefully there's a day or two of the next decade where I don't think about that last half hour before congratulating England and graciously, graciously saying it was well-deserved, um, which I personally slightly disagree with. But I'll sort of follow up. <laughs> has, has, has there been a day where you don't think about that last half hour since you wrote that? Nah, no, definitely not. I think, um, yeah, it's a funny one. We, we, we sort of talk amongst the guys, obviously play domestic cricket and um, play against a few of the guys that are on the squad and, um, yeah, it's one of those things that kind of doesn't escape you, really. I think um, people will say, oh, it's just a game and, and all that kind of junk and, you know, get over it. But, yeah, it is one of those things that yeah, I do find myself sort of standing in the field, you know, even in a day's play today and sort of looking around and just thinking about the super over and that sort of thing. It's, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's not really a, um, a thing that leaves you in a hurry. But, um, but like, I think definitely for the guys that um, were involved at the very end and the crunch time, it's probably going to be a bit more um, difficult to get over. But uh, it's one of those things that I'm sure it all sort of slowly ease with time. Because you, uh, you you left the World Cup straight away at the end of that and you played in Canada. Is that right? You played in the – is it a T10 or a T20 series over there? I mean, it must have just been yep. just a massive circuit straight away after that. Oh, yeah, the greatest. Yeah, the yep. Canada circuit. Yeah, yep. yep. it was um, – I wonder if I'm allowed to, yeah, I'll, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, probably in the in the month after the, the World Cup, probably had about four sober evenings. So <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was a pretty, I went, uh, actually spent about a week in England just on holiday, um, mm. sort of going around. I actually went up to Liverpool and watched the Nipple World Cup oh, yeah, um, nice. final because um, one of my flatmates was playing for New Zealand and that, so I thought I'd better... You know, it's hard to avoid it when, when they go, oh, you're only an hour away by train, you come watch. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing, but no, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so I had to go watch, and then I went straight to Canada and um, had a three or so weeks there um, with, a, with a bunch of really good blokes. Um, and yeah, sort of tried to get get over the World Cup, really. And I think it was actually a really good thing to do because it was still playing cricket, but it was also mm. um, less meaningful, I guess, and more of a chance just to go out and, and express yourself, which is... Um, mm. I suppose a more politically correct way of saying have a slog. <laughs> yeah, it must be quite cathartic. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a I've got a uh, a page in my phone in my notes called Nisha's tweets. Um, and uh, there's, he does. Yeah. There's there's been there's been um, don't go through my phone. And uh, there's there's been actually a few responses to to our promotion of you, of you being on the show. And actually, someone actually wrote, "Can he just reply to the questions through tweets?" Um, so you've obviously got a huge online presence. Um, but I, I'll just go through a couple here. Uh, August 2019, uh, you tweeted, "It's been a hell of a month to be a Kiwi-born all-rounder. That's not me." Uh, obviously referring to Ben Stokes. I mean, so do you, do you thank Ben Stokes for moving to England so you could have a prosperous international career for yourself or or hate him, um, you know, for cheating his way to a World Cup victory against against the, uh, the nation of his birth? <laughs> um, yes, that was a good run-on sentence at the end there. Um, <laughs> Commentary, too. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I reckon we'd make a great combo, man, Stokes, in the same team, to be honest. Mm-hmm. At five, me at six. Um Obviously, he's a, one of the most destructive bats in the world right now, and I think my record with the ball was probably um, a little bit better than his. So I think if we had a combo sort of sharing five or six overs each and, yeah. and batting in the middle, I reckon that, that would have been great for New Zealand, um, especially because it would have meant that 
he wasn't playing for England in the final, um, <laughs> which would have obviously skewed things a little bit more our way. But uh, yeah, it's funny how things like that work. There's also another tweet from June in, in 2019 during the World Cup as well. You actually tweeted an image of you throwing a pair of gloves um, into the crowd, and when I saw that, um, I, the joke that I came in my head was. Did Kane Williamson know that those were his gloves? And then I saw on your tw- you had actually tweeted that about a few minutes later, to which you had to then apologise for people who didn't get the joke. Mm. So I just want to know what it's like to deal with great blokes on the internet. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it can be frustrating at times, obviously, um, when something like that happens and you're and you're having a bit of a laugh, mm. and um, people obviously take it literally. Mm. Um, but. Uh, Every now and then, you, you sort of put out an apology, but yeah. um, only when people are starting to get really rolled up. But the one that really, really grinds me a little bit has been you say something, you know, and then six months later, something will happen, and oh, someone yeah. will you know, send you a photo of your tweet and go, what about now? And you, mm. you sort of think, <laughs> yeah. it's just, uh, I couldn't imagine being like a stand-up comedian, being Ricky Gervais or someone like that, and having people constantly remind you of acts you did five years ago or whatever but um, look I think your social media you you have to have a thick skin um, if you want to put anything out there really and um, my mute and block buttons get a a fair bit of a workout um, especially when some certain teams are touring New Zealand but um, yeah well, well we'll let that go that's that's that's, that's going to be our our new business proposal. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I'm actually just um, thinking about like relations across the dish, like between Australia, New Zealand, and Twitter. Uh, something I, th- I think about a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> seems to be like a distinct difference in how both countries approach it. Say in Australia, we have Ricky Ponting, who's just joined with a very clean presence. You know, he says Ricky Ponting AO Order of Australia, family heavy. The copy is cautious and tight, mm. clean sponsor tie-ins. And on the other hand, you know, you Jimmy Nation will cop thirty eight thousand likes for a scissor paper octave. <laughs> <laughs> and um, openly sledge Virat Kohli for not scoring runs in the Ashes. Uh, and then, you know, it goes, it goes to the highest levels. Like our, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison was um, got in trouble in 2018 for an 11-second meme showing Conservative MPs raising their hands to Fat Man Scoop's 2006 track, Be Faithful, whereas, you know, Jacinta Ardern was this week praised on Twitter for a no-look pass of a bottle opener with the receiver saying it was pro as hell, what a fucking G. Um, so I guess I guess my question is, you know, what do, what, what do Aussies need to learn from you guys about social, you know, and just being normal and good people in general? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just thinking about which section of that question to answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the funny thing is, yeah, it's uh, it's all a bit of a, a storm in a teacup, really. The, the Kiwis and the Aussies get along really well. And um, I actually, when I got picked up in the IPL this year, um, obviously it was in the middle of the night, um, I rolled over and, and looked at my phone, and um, the only reason I knew I got picked up was because Glenn Maxwell had actually texted me saying, yeah, mate, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and uh, that was when I looked on, you know, online and saw that we've been picked up by the same team. So it is definitely a, a good relationship between a lot of the guys. I think um, Australian cricket is a, a kind of genuine celebrities. You know, they earn you know, millions of dollars a year and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's easy to get caught up in that sort of hype. Whereas the Kiwi guys, you know, we earn less than a, a good, you know, mid-sized accountant. So um, <laughs> you know, you've got like Jet yeah. Raval, got Jet a Raval, yeah, yeah. Of the company he worked for in the winter on the back of his bat, you know, that <laughs> yeah, sort of stuff. So yeah. um, I suppose it's a little bit easier to stay humble when you, you know, you've got the crappiest house on the street in Auckland and, and all that sort of stuff driving a Mazda. I mean, you say that, but you have just said that you slipped through the IPL auction. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> is that true? You, you're yeah. literally asleep. No, yeah. I, do yeah. I pick up oh, a plane? Oh, Maxie, yeah, go on then. Yeah. Well, I was in bed. <laughs> it was about two, two or three o'clock in the morning, so I mean, you can't. 
stay up watching TV, you know, killing your life. Yeah. All, all that to not get picked up and then just go to bed really angry. Yeah, good point. Um, one, one of the things I'm the most fascinated about Niche, and I will call you Niche now, um, is, is that, is that um, you, you're just really normal. You're like, you're a really normal person. Obviously, just talking down the phone now, just well-spoken, erudite, polite, well, like, you're just normal. And, um, and, I, I was reading about your story and like being dropped after the Champions Trophy in 2017, and you were you were really close to to packing it in, and then you sort of um, worked as an intern, I believe, at a marketing uh, in a marketing capacity. Um, yep. And I, I sort of wonder, you know, you were so close to getting out of the game. Like, why do you keep playing? <laughs> uh, uh, it pays a little bit better than being a marketing intern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, oh, look, I think. Um, yeah, obviously, uh, cricket's a tough sport, and it's a it's a tough sport for resilient guys. And um, I think I just sort of got to the end of my tether, really, with mm. the game. And um, there's so much stuff you have to deal with behind the scenes that you know members of the public don't understand, or will probably never understand. And mm. um, yeah, all that sort of stuff just really got to the end got to the end of my tether, and I just sort of decided that I was done with it and wanted to try something else. And um, I think, ironically, working a different job. Um, it sort of alleviated any kind of fear of retirement or fear of getting mm-hmm. dropped because I've never really had a, a proper job before. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the sort of thoughts that go through your mind when you're going through a lean trot and, and first-class cricket or whatever you're thinking, gee, I actually need to make this work because you know, I can't get a real job because, I mean, I can't hold a conversation. So um, <laughs> you, you, you have to really put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to perform and... I think for me, you know, having six months or five months at a mm. at a normal job and, and actually really, really enjoying it, mm. um, it sort of removed that fear for me of of what would happen if I failed, and, mm. um, and I sort of slowly got the itch back for first class cricket um, over that time. And um, I was very fortunate. Well, one of my really close mates, Michael Bracewell, was was a captain of Wellington um, at the time, and he has sort of we sort of talked about what I was going through, and he basically convinced me to to come down to Wellington and, and give it a crack. And, um, I sort of just thought, why the hell not? Really, you know, it's six months mm. um, playing a sport. Give it a crack, see what happens. Worst case scenario, doesn't go well. Um, I can retire with with the peace of mind of knowing that I gave it everything I had and, and sort of move into that post cricket world. And mm. um, and sort of, I think that kind of attitude really allowed me to, to, I suppose, rediscover you know the cliche of of the love of the game and um not playing so much for, for runs or lookouts, but just playing um because I enjoyed being around a great bunch of guys and having a few beers after a game and all that jazz and mm-hmm. um, you know, before I knew it I mean it was it was so quick it was really only I think three or four months from from moving to Wellington to then getting picked for New Zealand again and mm-hmm. and then obviously going really well and going to the World Cup and, and it all sort of snowballed from there. So um it, it certainly I don't think it was really a decision to you know, I really want to play international cricket again. It was just a, mm. a sort of a decision to uh, why not give it another crack, and and then it's all sort of went from there. Man, that's that's that sounds incredibly sensible and 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 really enlightening as well. Because I was sort of reading at the time um, that I think when you when you were dropped in, in 2017, you sort of had like six different batting coaches and experts and all these people in your ear and stuff. And then, you know, it, it's, it sounds like you were sort of went through a bit of a transition of just being really happy and comfortable within yourself and your own life. And then, you know, just a couple of years later, you're fucking hitting Joffrey Archer for the cleanest ball over mid-wicket in a, you know, in a super over final. Um, I mean, it just sounds like it's all sort of come together over the last few years. Obviously, like there's still, you know, only 29, so you've got years left in your career. But um, it just seems like you're sort of really happy and at peace with yourself. Would that be fair? Yeah, definitely. I think it's 
it's a massive challenge for I, I sort of talk about in the Black Caps environment how your top guys like Ross and Kane and Tom Latham and those guys they're actually playing a different game from the sort of bottom half of the team because right. they can sort of genuinely they can have a couple of bad games and nick off a couple of times and they sort of know their spot secure and they have time to kind of mm. work through technical issues or whatever and they know they'll get another game whereas when you're sort of on that periphery every innings is it can be actually crucially important for your career mm. so it's very hard to make any progress technically to sort of work on a problem because your most pressing concern is always the next game how am I going to score runs in the next game to mm. keep my spot mm. and sometimes you sort of lose you know sight of the bigger picture which is that the actual direction your game's going in and you start chasing your tail a little bit around technical things and I mean it even happened to me a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago I came back from the ODI series against India and um, I'm fortunate enough to have a guy I work with in Auckland who I've worked with since I was a teenager and I sort of checked in with him for a, a bowling machine session he just said well, mate what the hell are you doing? Said, what do you mean? He goes mate what's going on with your backlist? Why are you like double pumping and all this kind of thing and I said oh, I was sort of trying to time like my swing better to make connection with the ball and he said mate you've never done that and it was just and I sort of looked at him and went yeah, you're right. I have never done that. And sort of, and 40 minutes, I had a few balls and, and turned around. And you now at the end of the session, I was hitting it sweetly again. And, and you sort of wonder, how has that happened to a guy who's 29 years old and <laughs> yeah. played like 200 and something professional games of cricket, just sort of turns around and screws his technique up because he's an idiot. <laughs> and and it sort of just continues to happen like that, you know, yeah. if you you know put too much pressure on yourself and um, I guess that's something I've got to keep a little bit of an eye on yeah. um, moving forward, especially when you have those long periods of time away from home. Sure, oh, hell of a game, cricket. Um, oh, great game. So, speaking yeah. of um, <laughs> speak, speaking of the New Zealand environment, you'd obviously be well aware that you know since Australia's culture review, Jimmy, you know, which among other things confirmed that only three of them knew about ball tampering. Um, <laughs> the the team's now left behind its nasty past, as you know. They you know they shake hands before the match. That's They're right. on field conversation. Consists entirely of PG-rated content delivered by the captain when the stump mics are on. Yep. Uh, they prepare for games with things like mindfulness and earthing and elite honesty. So, yep. like, even you guys are the sort of keepers of the great bloke flame. <laughs> Just wondering if you might be able to explain to us how pleased you are with this. And you know, like, no doubt your touring colleagues returned home recently with wonderful stories about Australia's newfound <laughs> authenticity. <laughs> what are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, oh, it's certainly um, a different type of team to play against um, than it used to be. Uh, but uh, I haven't actually played them in a while and um, we've got a series coming up in the next couple of weeks too, so um, I don't want to put too many things out there. But um, yeah, look, I think, as I said before, like different countries have different ways of playing the game and um, Aussies sort of, as a as a general group, are quite kind of out there and, and loud and a bit leery, I suppose, compared to their Kiwi brothers. So... I suppose that kind of comes across a little bit in the in the style of cricket, but um, it's funny. Like we get that kind of I don't know tag as the nice guys of cricket and that kind of thing, but it's not really a, an effort to be like that. It's just kind of who most of the blokes are in the team. You look at guys like Kane and Tom and Henry Nichols and Ross Taylor and those sorts of guys. I mean, I can't imagine them, you know, ever getting angry about anything and raising their voices whether on the field or not. So I think it's just kind of I suppose permeated through to the cricket. You obviously so so you accept that the Aussies are much nicer than they used to be now. It's um, definitely not a ruse or anything. No. That, that'll change once we, Australia starts winning again. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it is what it is. 
campaign seems like a decent bloke. I've, I haven't actually um, had a lot to do with him. Um, obviously, he, he's had a similar kind of um, renaissance, I guess, to what I have. So um, I'm sure we'd be able to exchange a few stories over a beer. But, um, yeah, in all honesty, they can sort of play their cricket however they like. <laughs> Well, he's actually, so keen not to say yeah. anything, eh? Well, we've actually got we've actually got Tim Payne on the line now, and he joins <laughs> the call. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Jimmy, he just redrew the uh, scouting plan for me for, for the one day series coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just last one for me in terms of uh, my you know notes tab of Nisha's tweets. Uh, you know, talking about touring earlier, August 2014, Jimmy. Uh, you tweeted an image of uh, your bat with two holes in it. Tweeting. Imagine if your cricket gear went through America and they drilled holes in your bat to look for drugs. Um, <laughs> What do they What do they find? Drug. <laughs> it was a great decision from. Yeah. It's amazing that never. It was came amazing, out. actually. I was like, yeah, well played. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you got me. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thankfully, that didn't happen on the way to the Canada League. Um, but uh, yeah, that was actually uh, for the Caribbean Premier League, I think, all those oh. years ago. So. Um, I hope they weren't um, drilling the holes in the side of Chris Gale's bed as well when he was going into that tournament. But uh, well, it remains to be seen, I guess. Allegedly. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so, I, got to ask you, I just got to ask you a quick, quick one, um, Jimmy. You, you spent way more time than we said we would. Um, Earlier this summer, um, Neil Wagner referred to Marnus Labuskakni. Uh, in a press conference, enunciating his name that way, mm. and just subtly inquiring as to why Aussies didn't say it that way. I just just sort of want to know how enjoyable it is to often remind Aussies of our social inferiority. Um, and just on a related note, is there any guilt about the fact rugby is now destroyed in this country, largely <laughs> on account of us not being able to beat the All Blacks? <laughs> uh, yeah, that surprised me actually, because I mean Australians have long been world renowned as being tolerant of other cultures, so um, it would be strange to me that Manus Lava hasn't found that all that easy to get the uh, translation over, but mm, mm. Um, I, I mean, it's spelled exactly like champagne, so mm, yeah. um, I suppose that's the easy way um, the Aussies can remember it, but mm. um, Wags is always one to pronounce a word 100% correctly, so um, I'm sure he was waiting to bring that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To yeah. Right, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Jimmy, re- really appreciate your time, Matt. I know you've got another interview um, with a McDonald's drive-thru, and <laughs> I just noted, um, you know, going through your tweets ahead of chatting today, as you would have um, been aware, I-, I saw Vish, a friend of ours, I know uh, he's interviewed you before as well, uh, said after the World Cup to you, you're, you're literally one of the best things about watching and covering cricket, and if kids take cues from you, the game's future's in such good hands, keep doing you, and I don't really have much more to add than that, but but I agree with Vish, so um, congratulations on what we've done so far, there's obviously many more chapters to write, and uh, thanks for joining us uh, this evening. Oh, gee, that's lovely. Thanks, mate. Uh, apparently they call in the snorkel Marcus North hello uh, G'day boys how are you <laughs> the snorkel I like it straight in I'm, there I'm sure you do uh, <laughs> obviously I work in, in English cricket now with Durham as director of cricket there and the so guy, you can't say much can't say too much reasons, but I, well, I did get some pleasure this afternoon so we had some optional training Mark Wood's injured at the moment but he was in seeing the physio and I knew he was in the change room so I kind of ran in overly excited and he saw me straight away and he just looked at me and went fuck off Northy I don't want to talk to you <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, Pez, it's fairly obvious that Budgie Smuggler have been a huge support for us this entire summer, um, to the point where they've also got behind us in the making of our very own set of Budgie Smugglers. Uh, What's well, our second pair, isn't it? And uh, I'm looking at them right now, and uh, it just makes me laugh endlessly. Like, just <laughs> because. Without end. Without, there is no end to the laughter. Richie Benno is shirtless on it. Mitchell Johnson is shirtless in it. So is Bradman. There's Ricky Ponting's forearms. Colin Miller's hair. 
mm. Tim Payne's face. Yeah. Um, what else is going on here? Uh, Bruce Reed, mullet. <laughs> it was Bruce Reed's sneer. I That's think. sneer, okay. There's Brett Lee's either glutes or calves. I'm a Brett Lee glute guy myself. Okay. I've never seen his calves. Great glutes, though. Power through the crease. I think uh, it's we're, we're free to say now that um, when we spoke with Richard Cheekway at our live show in Sydney, he yeah. made it very clear that very clear. Brett Lee was the most blessed specimen yes. that he had come across yeah. athletically, yeah. genetically, yeah. physically, a and real, read real, into that what mm, one will. A real stallion. That surprised me. I'm not sure. I guess I'd never spent that much time thinking about it, but I don't know why. It, it didn't shock me. I, wasn't, I didn't gasp. I did later, but not because of that. So, yeah, it just surprised me. But, yeah, anyway, Brett Lee's on these budgies. Yeah, well, it the makes sense up. because they're called the Great Australian Rig. Yeah, the Great Australian Rig. That's, that's, the, um, that's this line of, of budgies, our second line of budgie smugglers, which is a sentence I imagined seven years ago when this started. Um, our sec- second line of budgie smugglers called Great Australian Rigs. You can get them. Where can you get them? I believe at budgiesmuggler.com.au. Pez, let's go right into hashtag RCDC. Let's go. Um, Anything to report beforehand? Well, it's, it's, that, it's that time of year, isn't it? It's that time of year where end of season uh, awards are coming up. Your end of season night is coming up. And if you want us at your end of season awards, get in contact. Hit the emails. Hit the DMs. It's email. Grade cricketer at gmail. Grade cricketer at gmail.com. Yeah. Or you go on the website. If Rodney Hogg's booked out, if Merv's booked out, we can't tell you stories about taking 212 wickets and test wickets and, you know, Javid, me and dad calling us a bus inspector and then saying tickets, please. Yep. We can't do that. With any level of authenticity. When I did it, I, it lacked the authenticity that yeah. it, the story deserved. Mm. Did, um, did um, what's his name? Rodney Hogg ever come to the show? We never found out if he was at the show, the Sydney show, when he texts, mm. he texts, he sent a tweet in saying, I hope you boys are funny tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah he said, I hope you're funny Which tonight. isn't necessarily saying that he was at the show. He might have just been hoping that we were funny yeah. that night. It was a nice message to receive of support. It was, a, it was just a straight public performative Sledge. All in lowercase, I believe. Yeah. Well, no always. punctuation. That's always the way with a sledge on the net these days. Rowan Radke writes in to hashtag ICDSC. G'day, lads. Indian bloke here living in the US. <laughs> Thought I'd write to you today as I flaked on a date to go play amateur cricket at the cricket club, which I founded, at my Midwestern American small town uni. Scored 50-odd, 26. <sighs> Fucking hell. Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's quite <laughs> that's, a flex. Yeah. Scored 50- I don't think you can do that. I don't think you can. Mm. Uh, scored 50 or 26 and got a two far in a 10 over game playing with other South Asian cricket starved uni kids <laughs> and the odd misfit British exchange student. So it was totally worth it and I would do it all over again. Which brings me to my problem. Why is it that every time I'm on a date and sufficiently drunk, I feel the need to impress American chicks who know nothing about cricket with tales of my driving of my diving one-handed court and bowl to dismiss a 50-year-old Indian American college professor playing tennis ball cricket on a baseball field? Am I destined to never have a long-term relationship in this country or should I hold out for hope for finding a girl who excuse my cheering and clapping a coldly lofted front foot cover drive at 3am watching an Indian home game while she tries to sleep? Or should I just move back to India or another cricket-playing nation? I've tried distancing myself from the game, but then India starts spanking some struggling national team in a meaningless bilateral, and I can't resist the urge to watch Boomer rip through some hapless batting lineup with Kohli swearing at every bat off the pitch. I also can't resist playing meaningless Sunday games against amateur chuckers who are only there because they have nothing better to do, parking every other ball into the bleachers and nicking off blokes with a 20-mile-per-hour leggies. 
it strokes my ego and helps me mask the fact that I'm actually a shit cricketer who'd get exposed if an actual decent player ever rocked up to my club. Advice appreciated. Also, fuck you for ruining my vocabulary with Aussie slang. Cheers, lads. Brown yank. <laughs> All right. <laughs> To be clear, that's how he signed off. That's <laughs> oh my God, yeah. His words. Yes. Um, Let's be clear on that, please. <laughs> very, very, very yeah. clear. I like this question because it's kind of – I mean, I do think it's different to talk about cricket to a woman um, in an American context because it may have oh, – this is the question I want to pose, right? Okay. Like, if you did it in Australia, that would just – that would be ridiculous and embarrassing. Um, does cricket in America have – like hipster value or an exotic value. Yeah. Probably not because the US dealt with England on July 4, 1776. So it's probably just an extremely uncool aristocratic game. Famously, yeah. Yeah. But interestingly, the first international, as far as I understand it, international cricket match was between Canada and the the US. Oh, really? Yes. And did you know that that in the original plans for Central Park in New York, they had laid out um, on the plans cricket fields. And it is my understanding that Cricket was a big sport in the US in the 19th century um, until A.H. Spaulding came along and said real men played baseball. Fucking Spaulding. Yeah, Spaulding killed it. Fuck. Could have had Space Jam could have been a cricket movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's answer Rowan's question by, by now talking about who would be in Space Jam. <laughs> let's get into that. When Space Jam came out, so that would have been the early, early mid-90s. So Boomer is straight in there for me. What? Oh, right, for now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, Especially so you want to do 90s? Oh, I, I don't actually care. Because they're doing the reboot now because yeah. LeBron James has just done Space Jam too. Okay, well, so we, so we should do both. We can do both. <laughs> Let's uh, now spend half an hour figuring out who's in the team. Mid, mid-90s. mid Joffre Archer's in it. Okay, Probably right, one right. of the coolest men on the team. Joffre, yeah, okay. Is Pat Cummins in your team? Yeah, probably. I mean, Cummins is probably the Aussie player. It could be. It could be Smith. It could be Cummins. Um, yeah. It could be, and then yeah, you'd have Coley, obviously. Um, you'd have Stokes. I've got Kyron Pollard. Why in my team? But he's. I mean, Space Jam is about like the best players. Uh, yeah, I'm going for a bit of brand capacity there. People don't know who Kyron Pollard is. <laughs> That's the funniest <laughs> sentence that's ever been said on the show. People know who Kyron Pollard is. Not in the Space Jam context. You telling me that if you walked into a Baby G shock watch shop, people aren't going to know who Kyron Pollard is. Why am I in a Baby G shock watch <laughs> shop? That's the first question I'm asking you. Right. Cool. All right. We can get your submissions uh, later mm. um, on who would Space be in Space Jam, Jam, Jam both mid, f- both first Space Jam and reboot for cricket. Because Bradman's not in it. Bradman's not in Space <laughs> you Jam. Do, you're doing, yeah, what? Pre-World War II Space Jam. <laughs> Larwood, Bradman, Verity, Ponsford. They play against the Dutch East Indies. <laughs> the Monstars. Yeah, the Monstars, yeah. Uh, well, hang on. Why, why does he do this? Why does he do this to himself? He goes. Oh, um, well. Why does he talk to women on dates? Because it's something that he deeply cares about. That's why. So it's a, it's a passion project. It's not a project. It's just a thing that he really likes. That's why he does it. So We'd also need to know what else he does because he might not have anything else in his life. But if he's watching, it, what country he's in? Also, why why wouldn't you be clapping and hooting and hollering watching a collie? Like any shot over cover in the air just looks so mm. good. Ian yeah. Bell was good at that. Ian Bell was good at lots of things. Is he in your Space Jam team? No, but Shane Lee is. Anonymous writes in. <laughs> Anonymous writes in. Lads, please keep this one anonymous. I recently turned <laughs> eighteen. 
meaning that next season I will be able to properly circuit with my teammates in the second 11 of my local club. I have heard on the grapevine that graduation to the circuiting world requires a small initiation ceremony involving chinning a few pints, brackets, no biggie, close brackets, and also telling a funny sex story. Mm -hmm. Herein lies my dilemma. Not only do I have no funny sex stories, I have no sex stories at all. What should I do? If I concocted an elaborate lie, I could learn... I could earn the deeply craved approval of my teammates. However, this runs the risk of being found out. I am confident if one of the more intimidating I'm oh, sorry, I'm confident if one of the more intimidating older lads stared me down and said that's bullshit mate, that I, lacking any backbone, would crumple under his alpha gaze. Just thinking about this deeply embarrassing scenario, never mind experiencing it, has kept me up at night this past week. This would be so soul-crushingly humiliating that I'd be forced to leave the club. How would I explain this to dad? You know, inverted commas. I tried to earn the approval of other men by lying about the fact I've had sex. He couldn't possibly think lower of me after that. Alternatively, I could try to own my own virginity. Perhaps there's some respect to being earned. Um, uh, to, to being earned if I do that. However, I envisage that is, this option will also have the long-lasting and potentially emotionally damaging consequences. First, I would, of course, be mocked mercilessly. On top of this, though, I fear that the mockery would enlarge the taboo of losing my virginity so much so that when I finally end up in bed with a woman, I wouldn't be able to concentrate on the matter at hand, only on the hurtful comments, on the what's it like being 18 and your closest sexual partners being Kleenex and your old socks. Oh, my God. Christ. Oh, my God. I might never have sex because I'd always panic thinking that this is the one opportunity to end the mocking. My future's in your hands here, lads. What should I do? Cheers. My God. Okay, that's a confused young man. And um, He's being know. honest, though. He's yeah. saying I'm a virgin yeah. and I don't want to be mocked for being a virgin. What should I do? Should I lie about being a virgin? Yeah. I lie about not being a virgin or just own up to it? Yeah. And um, What do you say? And Brett Daniels, we appreciate you right again. <laughs> that's not his name. That's not his name. Not his sorry name. to Brett Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> as well. yeah, yeah. What if that's just in my subconscious that yeah. I've read a question from... Anyway, that's yeah. not, not him. Um, like, it's just that time... Like it, uh, I feel like sex is on the mind heavily for him. For he, 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 Yeah, I feel like that, yeah. <laughs> You're he's, he's written, Yeah, because he's written the 800-word thing about having sex. And he wanted to, mm. I think he wants to do it more because he's scared of his friends. Which is probably a bigger issue. Also, like, let's well, say... Well, you want to get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Some do. Yeah. I'm not encouraging it. Yeah. I'm saying he just wants, he just, he just wants to... Be gone. To, yeah, he, get, wants, get he, he wants the monkey off the back. Get rid. Um, it, isn't it a weirder thing, though? Like, if let's say, let's say you and I are in a stretching circle, right? And there's nine other blokes around. And then, yes. And then um, I say, um, oh, yeah, had sex. Had sex last night. And then you call <laughs> yeah, it out. If you use it in those words. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> you call that to me in front of our nine other teammates. Pff, bullshit, mate. Like, yeah. that's fucking huge balls from you to just call that out. That's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, like, I have a view on this. I, I think that um, like cricketers are largely very – they're actually nice people at heart um, who have been conditioned it's into a false, false alpha mode as a yep. misguided coping mechanism. Um and like, given you'll be talk like this, this young man will be talking about the most primal of subjects, sex. Um, what's more likely, I think, if he owns up to his virginity, if he does it in a way that is like um, honest and kind of self-deprecating, he's going to find a senior player and make sure it's the right Why senior does he have player. To own up to it. I'll let you. Sorry, I'll let you finish. Well, he's saying that he's going to be asked if you got any funny sex stories as an initiation. So let's just for the hypothetical, let's just say he's yeah. asked that question. Okay. Right. I don't actually think that happens, but anyway, that doesn't um, happen. Yeah, but anyway, he's worried about it. Hey, mate, you're seven. You got any funny sex stories? Yeah, but th- oh, actually, there are there are guys who do something or try and draw it out of you. Mm. And like, 
I think that what he'll find is if he's honest about it and self-deprecating about it or whatever and just say, that's just, it is how it is. I'm keen to get off the mark. Or, and don't say that, actually. God, I'm all over the place. Um, he's going to find some um, senior player will actually take him under his wing. And, I'm and, not sure you want that either. No, it, and my next point was make sure it's the right person yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. you under your wing, yeah. um, not someone who calls themselves a chop king or whatnot. And actually, yeah. that's usually a self-bestowed nickname that is a lie. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's all clear a as mud, mate. Yeah, fuck, it's confusing, isn't it? That's clear really as mud. Confusing. Um, let us know how you get in. Get on though, um, Brett. On. Oh, Christ. Uh, Christ. Steve Stevens writes in, lads. If this isn't the most feel-good cricket story. You hear this year, I'll eat my hat. It's a longish one, so needs a DM. A new kid started in my 10-year-old school class last week. Let's call him Bobby. He's been living overseas with his family for the last four years. He decided he wanted a game of cricket, and so he joined my son's cricket team, even though there were only three matches left in the season, and even though they hadn't won a single match all season, or even got close, and it was starting to get them down. Bobby and his dad arrived at the match last Saturday, and Bobby's dad immediately volunteered to score and had brought his own pencil case to do so. Apparently, he liked doing it. Huge tick from the other parents. Bobby told us he'd played a bit uh, in when they were overseas, but the players weren't very good. Great, the kids thought. Enthusiastic, but not very good. Perfect. Mm. My boys' team bowled first, and Bobby wicket-kept as he fancied a go. It was immediately obvious he was the best keeper in the team. Very tidy and looked a natural. Good start. They swapped keepers up to 15 overs, as they do, and after five minutes in the field, he took a fantastic, fantastic outfield catch off my son's bowling. Very few catches are taken at this age. Best catch of the season. Kids seemed promising. Then he bowled, and he was the fastest in their team, and just about the fastest bowler from any side all season. Accurate too, and took wickets. Great, we thought. They found a strike bowler who can field. At the change of innings, Bobby asked all the other kids whether they dared him to hit a six when he batted. Ooh. They did, of course, so he smiled and said, all right, I will. Ooh. I've sighed now at the 10-year-old boy nice. speaking there. With more, com- <laughs> with, more, <laughs> with more confidence than I thought was warranted. Some parents, including me, okay, especially me, told him to settle down, play safe, and just try not to get out in his first game. Attacking instincts. They needed to chase about 130 on a wet field with long grass. A Herculean ask. Long story short, they lost all their wickets except Bobby for about 30. They were 100 behind and I packed up and got ready to go. In this cricket, you retire after facing 30 balls or getting 30 runs. But if there are overs left and you don't have a full team, they were missing a player, the non-out batsman can keep batting and another kid has to stay at the non-striker's end and run for him. Generally, this doesn't last long. Bobby was a not-out batsman, so he kept batting and it was one of the most remarkable innings I've ever seen. When it was a good ball... He just manipulated his wrists and steered it into the gap and ran a single with the most confident yep I've ever heard. (laughs) Spelled (laughs) Y-E-R-P. Yeah. When it was short, he pulled it over square leg for four. When it was pitched up, he drove it through a gap from mid-wicket all the way around to cover point, wherever it needed to go. And he played every other conventional shot there was as required. At some point, he registered his 50 and acknowledged the crowd like it was a packed SCG. It's in completely practice, yet strangely natural. As this progressed, the other team started getting annoyed at him, and even though they are 10, sledged him with, that's great and everything, and everything but you can't hit a six. He smiled at them and announced, I can. And the very next ball, he launched it into the trees, and then he pointed at his teammates on the side of the oval who had dared him to hit a six earlier. 
It was at this point that I thought the kid might be Viv Richards or possibly Stokes after his fielding and bowling. They needed 11 to win of the last two overs with Bobby on 80 not out. Parents and children and opposition and home side alike were beside themselves. Could Bobby turn up as a 10-year-old in his first ever game of cricket in this country? Because that's what we, were, we would all be thinking and aiming for, but not Bobby. The kid had a job to do. Putting aside all ego, he kept eerily calm, hit the bad ones and made sure of the win. With two balls left in the match and playing, having run 30 minutes over its schedule finish time, mainly because the opposition dad umpiring was captaining for about the last third of the innings, like the umpires in Dob Bradman miniseries in Young Don's first game with the adults. Bobby brought up the winning runs and was left on 87 not out. Everyone went crazy, literally lost their minds, except Bobby and Bobby's dad. And with that, my boys' side had won their first game of the season with 10-year-old left-handed Bobby putting on 100 partnership with himself to get them home. Bobby had won a match, had won friends and admiration, and likely made sure his teammates wanted to play again next year. And he did it all with his dad scoring and watching every ball. And so, as you would expect, my hashtag AskTGC question is, how the fuck do I alpha Bobby's dad? <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful story, uh, Steve. So thank you for writing in. That's very good. Yeah. He's like, and that boy's name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ben Stokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you don't really offer him now that you've like lionized him um, in podcast form. Mm. I think it's impossible to come back from that. But mm. yeah, wonderful story, wonderful cricket story. And yeah, obviously a complete gun of a player who needs yeah. to be brought down to size immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for Bobby, um, and I presume it's Bobby Quiney, um, that's as good as it's ever going to get. <laughs> that's as good as it's ever going to get. He put a hundred run partnership with himself. <laughs> That's amazing. His dad was watching. That's Who bought so a pencil cool. case? Yeah. This kid's either going to play test cricket or he should quit immediately and, um, you know, go through a growth spurt. <laughs> so what am I saying there, Pez? I don't know. Quit cricket and get massive. I, I want to read this last one here, guys. I know it's a little bit long. Can we just do it? Just, just oh, yeah. to completely contrast um, from that wonderful cricket story. Yeah, let's do All it. All right, Sean Hurley just okay. writes in. We don't have to talk too much after. Sean Hurley writes in. I just giggled reading this. Um, G'day, gents. After 25-odd years of service, 22 years, <laughs> I have recently left the military. One of the things that I plan to do with my newly found and much-appreciated time is return to playing cricket. The last time I played cricket was 1997 in whatever competition existed in Port Macquarie for 17-year-olds shortly before I joined the Army. I'm currently working my way through the back catalogue of the cast while keeping up to date with the new eps as they come in. As I haven't listened to everything yet, I apologise if the subject of this, possibly way too long, correspondence has been brought up before. After reading your book and numerous tweets alongside hearing you boys talk, I have come to a conclusion. Grade cricket and the military are the same thing. (laughs) I could go on all day with a number of anecdotes to back this up, but in the interest of keeping things short, sort of... um, uh, Sorry, things sort of brief, I'll try for a few direct comparisons. The special forces are international slash state players. You rarely see them, and when you do, they are usually wearing a beret or a T-shirt that denotes they are special forces. <laughs> they do this while not saying much to anyone who isn't special forces, and they also get the majority of funding allocated to defence. The infantry are first graders. They champ everyone. More on that later. Everything revolves around them, and they all wish they were somewhere else with a real job because no matter how much this one hates them, and they hate it, they can't get away from it or some shit. All the other Army Corps and are second to fifth graders. Their rigs are becoming more and more sloppy as time goes on. They also hate their job and can't get out of it, and their job not only hates them, it consistently reminds them they are nothing compared to first graders and really they should just give up. 
The Navy, to quote Higgos, is some fucking park shit. They wear camouflage uniforms with reflector tabs on them and actually have a rank of chief petty officer, which gets shortened to chief. <laughs> so, yes, you have a bunch of 20-year-olds running around calling 40-year-old men chief and they think that is normal. <laughs> the Air Force is... Who fucking knows? Some friendly corporate rec league lunch match where everyone gets a medal. In saying this, all the others are jealous of them because they enjoy themselves, love their job, and don't give up after eight years. Officers are club presidents slash administrators. They are useless, corrupt, have no idea what they are doing, but have all the power over who does what. Alphering. Definitely exists, but with a slightly different context and can be surpassed by the rank structure. For example, while the concept is rife, no one uses the word champ. To use the word champ is to invite violent physical reprisal. <laughs> Instead, much more friendly phrases are used to assert dominance over those who you have already dominance over due to your rank. To use a personal example, upon arriving to Singleton uh, for basic infantry training in 1998, still a 17-year-old, I was greeted by a corporal with, What the fuck are you looking at, cunt eyes? Oh my god. Kit. Early on in my career, the government issued kit was trash, and I spent a vast amount of my own money in order to be kitted out properly and not look yuck. Special forces get all the good kit without even asking for it or needing it. Showers. Just as in modern grade cricket, things are a little different now. But when I joined the army, there were no cubicles or doors in the shower blocks. Rig-based selections. It goes without saying that in an environment where physical dominance is often required for part of the job, that this is a thing. I could go on, lads, as there are so many more similarities, but I'm unsure you... Um, probably haven't made it this far just to make this a question. Thoughts? Keep up the great work, guys. It's a pleasure to read and listen. Sean. He's out of the army. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to say to Sean, firstly, I've never said anything disparaging about the Navy. I think he meant you to say. No, no. no. Um, Sean, thank you for your service and thank you to all the fourth graders out there for your service going out there defending your community. Yeah. Against the other communities out there yeah. on a Saturday afternoon when it's three for 380 and they brought a fucking shit tea. You ever go to Special Forces and go, hey, got any spare rifles? See you next week. <laughs>